0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number one, three, four. It's uh, Monday. What? What was that?
1: I, you know how it goes with the fingers. I'm still not quite sure. It flips me around. I'm trying to point at things. Yeah, your finger episode. game.
0: Your finger game is lackluster, my friend. What's
1: Anyways. <laughs>
0: It's Monday. That means we're back again with the MMA weekend recap before we get into the fight talk and all that. Uh all that hoopla. beautiful all that boot beautiful hoopla. Yeah. Dominic, I want to check in with you. How was your weekend? Um I know that uh fantasy football is- hmm. You know, football season's back, guys.
1: The season. and, you know,
0: we are big fight fans. Obviously, it's a sport that we do a podcast on. So uh, we are big fans. Right, but, right. Um, you know, football was kind of our first love. So it always has a special place in our hearts. And, you know, I'm just excited to have this time of year back. But, Dominic, you're a big fantasy football guy. So you had your draft earlier today. How did it go?
1: Yeah, man. So it's that time of year, it's fantasy football season. Uh, we have our draft at Frickers every year, big buy-in draft, play for lots of money. It's always a fun time. And I told Noah this off recording, so I'm going to let our lovely listeners and viewers know, I won back-to-back years, 2018, 2019. Last year, 2020, it was a bit of a sad year for everyone in the world, and it was for my fantasy team, too. Started real bad, came on strong late, but it wasn't enough. So I'm looking for 2021 to be my bounce-back season make three championships out of the last four years. I want to become the dynasty team, Noah. That's what I want to be viewed as. Just so everybody knows, my team name, by the way, is DOMINATORS with the DOM all caps. Pretty pretty terrifying name if you ask me. So So
0: you want to be a fantasy football manager.
1: <laughs> That's me right here, baby. But uh, uh, yeah. So that made my weekend. And funny enough, you have a fantasy draft this weekend as well. So... <laughs>
0: Yes, I do. If uh, if anybody notices me looking off camera, it might be because I'm making a pick or two because yeah. uh, it my, it, it's my fault because we were supposed to record this afternoon and I uh, took a little nappy. Yeah. Nappy went a little too long. So Dominic, he told me, you know, hey, my drafts at this time. So I knew my draft was today. I didn't know what time it was because it wasn't set yet, but I knew it would be around this time. But I, I don't want to push this back, you know, to like a real late night recording. So, promise it won't get in the way of uh, having us a good episode. But in case you see me looking off screen, you know why.
1: I think it's impressive,
0: <laughs> but obviously, you know, Dominic, people. There's if there's one thing that people love. Is hearing about someone's fantasy football team um, that is that is actually the complete opposite of the truth. <laughs> but, anyways, let's get into the fight announcements. Let's do it. Only one here, and it's really just a replacement because uh, yeah. we have a little Sergey for Sergey trade here. True. Sergey Pavlovich is out of his scheduled bout with Tom Aspinall. In steps Sergey Spivak. Yeah. So two of uh, still top 15 heavyweights collide here. Um, I think I like this matchup slightly more. I agree. Only for the only, you know, not that Pavlovich might be a better fighter than Spivak, but we just haven't seen him in so long. Mm-hmm. That it's hard to really estimate what kind of fighter he's going to be when he comes back. And now that he's out again, it's like, man, like I don't know what kind of fighter he's really, he might be kind of a shell of what he was looking like he could be right when he kind of stepped away anyways. But Spivak, you know, not not necessarily a guy that I think has the potential of an Aspinall, but a guy who can definitely compete with this kind of level of heavyweights. And I do think he can give Tom Aspinall a good matchup here, a guy who's who will not shy away from taking a fight to the ground and yep. really grind out a decision win. And, you know, Aspinall – hasn't really been proven like, yes, I know he did do a good job of getting a submission win over Andre Arlovsky, which was very impressive, but for the most part, untested when it comes to his ground game. So I would like to see that be a little bit challenged here. We'll see if that actually happens. This is September 4th. So this is the card upcoming Mm -hmm. Dominic, any thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, and anyone who's listened for a long time on this show knows how big I am on Tom now. Very excited to see what this kid can do. Uh, for the United Kingdom, like that market and coming into this heavyweight division, kind of another new breed of fighter. So I think this is a bigger test for him against a guy that is really going to try and grind it out on the ground, ground and pound him. So how can he kind of um, withstand that adversity here because he's going to be tested? And it's a good test for Sergey Spivak as well because Aspinall, number 13, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So both guys fearing to crack into the top 10. I love this matchup.
0: Yeah, that's all for the fight announcements. But really, it's not. It's just the beginning. <laughs> just yeah, one. We just felt like this one needed its own headline, and that's because UFC 268. We had some big fights yeah. in the Big Apple, people, right. and some of these have already been announced before. We've talked about them before, but I'm just gonna go down here yeah. through them again. Our main event of UFC 268 is they run it back for the welterweight title: Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, Parton. Duh, duh, part duh, <laughs> part Duh. Uh, co-main event for the women's strawweight title. Rose, they also run it back. Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Wei Lee Part duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then your feature belt which, honestly, I am I was shocked that we got another title fight added here because Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler felt like a very proper co-main. Oh, yeah.
1: But I will happily
0: take this fight being your feature <laughs> bout. Um, also, Sean Strickland versus Luke Rockhold. Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Vera, That's a
1: banger, that one.
0: Jermaine Durandami versus Irene Aldana. Potentially the next one up for Amanda Nunes after Juliana Pena or – yeah. Hold on. Let me give Pena her respect. Perhaps the next person up for the winner of Nunez Pena. Let me give her some respect. And Ally Quina.
1: He's back.
0: Everybody's favorite real estate agent going up (laughs) against the king, Bobby Green. So a few of these are fight announcements in a sense. And I think we'll start with the co-main event. Yes. Um, Dominic, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this one. So, Rose Namajunas, Jean Grey Lee. Previously, when they fought UFC 261, the rules yeah. were reversed. Whaley champ, Rose number one contender. Rose knocked her out with a head kick in about a minute 18 seconds of round number one. We thought Carlos Barza was the was the next woman up for this title. However, Weili is given another chance here. So I want you to give your thoughts in the same tone and manner with which you told him to me
1: yeah let me let me go off a bit here ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so okay immediately I saw this and you know it's awesome that there's a title fight don't get me wrong but this was not the one this this is a miss in a couple aspects for the UFC but I also understand why they did it so I'll just start with that since it's obviously the bigger fight than Rose versus Carla it just is because Zhang Wei Li is such a huge name Um, You know, with the Asian market, she's a superstar. Everybody loved when she won the title in such dominating fashion. Then she had the fight of the year with Joanna Young-Jacek. So she did defend her title, but again, she got stopped in one minute and 18 seconds by knockout uh, against Rose. And I thought the clear next step for Zhang Li: run it back with Joanna Young-Jacek in a true number one contender fight. And then we'll get Rose versus Carla. And there's a huge storyline there. That was the inaugural Women's strawweight title fight after the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Carla Esparza beat Rose to become the first champion. So Rose is looking to get revenge multiple years later. It's at Madison Square Garden. Rose Namajunas is the queen of Madison Square Garden, by the way, because she shocked the world. Would she be Joanna on Jacek there to win her first title? I'm ranting a lot here. I'm going a lot of different directions. I like I it. Just, I don't like that they made this fight, but I get why they did it? I just feel so bad for Carla, who's rallied all five straight wins. The latter three: Michelle Waterson, Marina Rodriguez. Then she KOTKO'd Yan Zhao Nan, who, by the way, was undefeated in the UFC before that fight, and that was Carla's best performance of her career outside of when she beat—wait for it—Rose Namajunas to become the inaugural <laughs> champion. So I really just, again, it's not as big as Rose versus Lee too. I get it. But the storyline there felt really special, and to be able to capitalize on that in MSG, I felt would have been uh, a very interesting, special moment for both ladies. And the trade-off, you get Joanna and Wei Li number two. I mean, everybody wants to see that fight for a second time. So, you know, I could just be bantering and disagree or agree with me, whatever. I just felt it was a miss. Either way with the result of the first Rose versus Zhang Wei Li fight, with the very convincing knockout, I'm still just as intrigued in the matchup itself as I was the first time because they're just super talented women. So that's my rant. Hopefully some agree with me. I know a lot are going to disagree, but we'll see Carla get that shot eventually. I sure hope so.
0: You think people are going to disagree with you? I feel like everybody's on your side. Okay, good. I hope so. I mean, I think... (laughs) you understand like okay yeah we we talked about this forewarning to the viewers we me and dominic talked we went back and forth a little bit on this in our group chat with our friends so like we kind of have a we kind of know where each of us are going here um i don't disagree with dom's take like i if you ask me who should be next it's carlos barza 100% um Jean wei lee one title defense as amazing as that title defense was only one defense lost in the first round. Don't yeah. think that's uh, deserving of a run it back. You know, it wasn't like a steep A where broke the record and then gets knocked out in the first round and then you run it back. You know, right. I, I, I just – I'm not a big fan of – I've talked about how I don't like immediate rematches in general. Yeah, So I, I'm not, you know, not supporting that. But I try not to be over presumptuous. And This is not – this is probably – this isn't so much me saying a Dom is because it, he's really – in line with what the majority opinion really is right now. So this might be just me not being presumptuous enough, but I, I I try to take a step back and go, the UFC at the beginning of this year were ready to skip over Rose and give Carla the title shot against Zhang Weili at UFC 261. That didn't happen, but it makes me think that Carla had to have been offered this fight and now again is it presumptuous to assume she was offered it yes but considering she was the clear number one contender in my eyes i have a hard time seeing where she wasn't at least in the discussions now should she have clearly been given the title fight i saw her response on twitter Uh, i had like a couple just a couple emojis like broken heart and stuff yeah which kind of made me think okay Maybe she wasn't offered the fight, right? Right. Um, uh, you you definitely you you were talking a lot about the Chinese market uh, yesterday, just how you felt like that was clearly the 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 mindset for this fight being rebooked. Is that you know Zhang Wei Li is the head of a very big market that the UFC wants to make a splash in. She's the first ever Asian champion. So you know, she just has that entire continent behind her, yep. Asia, just huge moneymaker there. So obviously, they would want to run that back. I just think that I don't know if that's the like dominant reason why this fight's being made. Again, if Carlos Barza was not offered this fight or was not, you know, and talks for his fight, I'm gonna have a bigger problem with it. Yeah. But this is the same weekend. The UFC is going head-to-head with the Canalo Alvarez fight yeah. the same weekend. So you know they wanted to stack this card from top to bottom to make it competitive in the combat sports realm of pay-per-view buys. Um, putting another title fight on here made sense. To me, this comes off like they wanted Rose to defend on this card. They found a few challengers. Who's ready? Who can step up here if Carla wasn't ready for it and Zhang Wei Lee was? That's a reason that she might have got the fight over her, but again, this is all kind of just assuming one way or yeah. another. All I know is I'm still as intrigued, like you said, right. for this fight the second time, maybe even more so than I was the first time. I mean, probably not, maybe not, but I it, it feels just as close, right? You know, I don't have to. This isn't like when Masvidal fought Kamar Usman a second time. You know, I didn't have to. Even though I did get excited for that fight, the closer it got, yeah. that was due to a lot of the promotion behind it and stuff. We haven't even gotten any of that yet. Yeah, I'm just ready. I'm I'm excited to see it run back a second time. I'm going to be honest. I think it's a better fight than what a Rose and Carla 2 would be. I'm not saying that should be a reason that someone gets skipped over. It shouldn't be. right. But I can't deny that I have a greater interest in this bout Than rose and carla too i know a lot of people a lot of people might disagree with me on that because carla beat her the first time but i i just think rose has i think carla's just showed a lot of holes since she won that title right Um, even on this win streak she's been on she's had three split decision wins two split decision wins one majority decision win um Yes, does Yan Zhao non win? Big stamp, mm-hmm. big, a big exclamation point on that win streak. And I still think she should be next. But all in all, I'm still excited for this bout. Um, I I will be interested to see, you know, little thing to throw out here now because I want to throw this out here before I want to be the one the first to do okay. it, Dom. Okay. For Zhang Wei I wonder if maybe she has been tossing some feelers to the UFC about a potential move up to uh, flyweight, and with, and they wanted to give her another chance here. If she loses, I bet she goes up to flyweight, kind of like what Jessica Andrade did. Yeah, and uh, that might be the end of her run as a as a uh, strawweight here. So, any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I saw some people on Twitter saying how, you know, if Zhang Wei goes out and loses again to Rose what could that potentially do for the star power that she had built? And then all of a sudden, Oh, she's on a two fight skid (laughs) just like that. Um, But I, you know, we obviously think that she can make a future um, flyweight as well. We talked about it on our episode last year that we just recapped the other day. And uh, you know, honestly she could go out and lose to Rose a second time and probably still jump up to flyweight and take on Valentina or take on one fight and then get a title because she really is that big of a name. So I don't think that's out of the realm possibility. I do just feel though, man, that like a loss here, and again, if it were to come to Rose two times in a row, really hinders what she could become in that strawweight division. Hence, your point of maybe flyweight could be next. So,
0: I okay, so I I want to focus more on the I, I get you're right about that could hinder what she could be as a strawweight, but. To the point of kind of a lot of the chatter online, I think MMA's proven that it's not really a sport focused on the losses so much, you know, compared to boxing. You know, even Francis Ngannou lost two fights in a row in very, very poor fashion. I mean, yeah. he got dominated by Steve Bay in a title fight and then had one of the worst fights of all time with Derrick Lewis. You couldn't have two worse losses than those.
1: Yeah.
0: And then look at what this guy's come back and still become. You know, the guy's still a star right now. 100%. If anything, I mean, he's probably in some way. I, I think he, his, I think his, even though you had that dip during that time, I think his projection as a star is exactly what we thought it would have been when he was knocking out over him leading up to that yeah, title fight. If not bigger. C-Pay. So I think it might be a little overblown to say, like, what, what could that do? We don't really know, like, mentally, like, if, if Zhang Weili will just, you know, would mentally this hurt her so much that she couldn't, you know, have the confidence to really go in there and fight her fight. I don't know, it could. I just I I usually give our fighters I think I give our fighters more credit than that. That I think that they just I think their mental fortitude is usually a little better than maybe what we would assume. Right. Um, so I I, I think it might be a little overblown to estimate that like a loss here, what that how that could hinder her star making prospects. She still is the clear front runner for the Asian market. And there's really not anyone close right now. Yan Zhao Nan got, you know, pummeled by Carlos Bartas. That set her back. You got Li Jing out there, who's got Hamza Chamayev. That's someone potentially, but yeah, I wouldn't put a lot of eggs in that basket right now. So she's still the clear front runner for this Asian market. And with a fun fight style like she has shown to have fight of the year already with Joanna. the way she won the title over Andrade was brutal and awesome and you know even the fight with Rose yes she was on the receiving end of a highlight reel KO but in some ways like she's still involved in big moments which I know again that's weird to say because she was the one that lost but um it's just a lot of fighters benefit from that go out on your shield or you know
1: or finish people yeah yeah
0: exactly so um, a lot of thoughts there. I don't want to, you know, I want to be able to talk a little bit about some of these other announcements, but any final thoughts on that one?
1: Uh, no, not on that fight specifically, man.
0: Okay. So the other ones that were announced, Frankie Edgar, Marlon Barra, and I'm going to go ahead and put Jermaine Duran to me, Irene Aldana, I like Bobby greens, so we got three fights here. Um, out of these three, You know, is there one that sticks out to you a little more than the others? Is there one – is there any storylines here that really intrigue you um, going in?
1: I like Edgar Vera. I think that's a really, really fun scrap for, uh, you know, Cheeto to potentially come out uh, against another legend. Obviously, we saw him fall short against Jose Aldo. So how can he fare here against a guy like Frankie Edgar? Can he catapult into the top ten? Can he get the biggest win of his career outside of the one against Sean O'Malley, I guess? Um, but then, I mean, GDR, Irene Aldana, potential number one contender bout. Can Irene put it all together? Can she make the weight this time and then get a big win over such an elite striker in GDR? And then Al Iaquina, haven't seen him in a very long time. Bobby Green, he's one of the most active guys we've seen over the past year and a half. So two very opposites going to come in. I think that's a really fun scrap, too, for those that uh, haven't – we haven't really got to break down Aquina now, I think, about it on this podcast because mm-hmm. it's been so long. So for yeah. those of you that don't know about him, he's always in some fun scraps and uh, Bobby green is too. So that's a fun one with two veterans. Uh, and then I can't even imagine what the rest of the prelims are going to look like. So this car is absolutely bonkers, man. I just kind of went over all three. I guess you can just do the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I won't touch on all of them. I mean, Edgar Vera is, I, I have told you, I said, that's beautiful matchmaking in my yeah. opinion. And there was a lot of rumors. that might've been Sean O'Malley and Frankie Edgar next yeah. Frankie really wanted that fight and, Honestly, that would have been great too. But even though Marlon Bare beat um, Sean O'Malley, I like this matchup for Frankie more. Yeah. Than a matchup with Sean because I feel like a matchup with Sean would be kind of just asking to get put on like a highlight reel, yeah. um, you know. And I and I know saying that is risky because you saw what Frankie did the Yair Rodriguez, but he is not the same fighter even that he was then let alone he was like a champion you know he's he has regressed but still very competitive fighter you saw what he did with pedro munoz Mm -hmm. at the end of last year um what i will say about this fight though is that both guys bring similar things to the table they're they're very high output very uh technical fighters they are very durable um so that's what that's the interesting matchup for me i think that could be a war of a fight Um, And that's going to be the one – that's the fight that's opening that card, I believe, on the the pay-per-view side. So that's pretty awesome. Um, Durand and Miao that does have a lot of stakes to it considering you could be looking at the next challenger for the winner of Nunes Pena. We give Pena her respect. Um, Bot Green, uh, that's just like a fight for the fans in my opinion. Um, Not a ton of stakes, especially because Iaquinta has fallen out. Yeah, at like the top 15, and there is a cicada just I
1: hear that I
0: making some. I don't know at the I don't know what it's doing out there, but it needs to shut the hell
1: up right now. <laughs> he's just uh, very interested in the UFC 268 card, yeah,
0: clearly. He shut, he shut up, so I guess uh, <laughs> there you
1: go. Uh,
0: but I want agree, that's a fight like for the fans, you know, yeah. just two guys that people have loved for a long time have been in a lot of good fights, just being matched up against each other. Think of like a Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis type fight. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to see Rage and Al back. Haven't seen him in a long time. So that one should be a lot of fun. Moving on from there, unless you wanted to.
1: I was just going to say one more thing really quick. Can we just appreciate my man's Trevor Whitman? Because he's going to be going from Justin Gaethje to Rose Namajunas to Kamaru Usman. Three straight fights on that card. Wow, this dude already is one of the best coaches out there, and if he gets three winners on the same night, his main three staples, that's going to be quite impressive. I just wanted to give Trevor Whitman a shout out, real quick.
0: Agreed. So, moving on from there, PFL playoffs week three. Dominic, this, this was this this cut this card kind of ended up living up to what I think we said going in. Very competitive bouts from top yeah. to bottom. We did have one unfortunate ending. Um, but what, I guess, was your big takeaways here? Um, all in all, the main event, I thought, lived up to my expectations with Move lead Kaibuya ended up getting that split decision win. Blasphemous.
1: I it, Unbelievable.
0: I don't know why it was a split, but uh, yeah, Brendan Lachnane, nice. Lachnane getting a lot of the air time going in here, getting a lot of the camera time, and deservedly so. This was a guy who had been on Dana White's Tuesday night contender, got passed up even though he won his bout Yeah, and comes into the PFL here and was really looking to make a big statement. But Move Lead, I said I really like this guy undefeated coming in, remains undefeated, really showing that Dagestani-like grappling, and I love mm-hmm. it. Um, so I'm very excited to see him going up against Chris Wade. So yeah. Bubba Jenkins getting a tough loss. Dominic, I know that one's got to hurt a little bit. Um, but really, besides that, I mean, my takeaways were more on that side of the bracket. You know, if you yeah. go to the light heavyweight division, Antonio Carlos Jr., um, I thought, looked good. Um, again, I I think he should win this thing. And probably that might even be more the case because um, Martin Hamlet and Cesar Ferreira didn't really have yeah. much of a fight. Yeah. So, I definitely look at him as the favorite right now, and he, he performed up to that, I would say. So I'm going to let you take over and give your thoughts kind of where where your head is for these uh, fights.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Move Lead looked very dominant against an ultra-impressive uh, Brendan uh, Lockname. The split decision is crazy. That's, again, judging in multiple straight PFL events where someone almost loses a chance at a million dollars due to poor judging. That was just unbelievable i was sitting here watching them right here in my bed and i'm like, and they said uh, you know they said move leads name and i'm like wait so that means we're about to have a split decision i it was just crazy to me i thought it was a clear 3-1 if not a clear 2-1 at the bare minimum but there's no way you could say brendan won that fight and he did have fun moments and he fought well off of his back but it was just you know not enough but i digress move lead ultimately got the win, regardless, uh, undefeated. Him and Chris Wade, I think, is a very fun grapple-heavy fight. Uh, Chris Wade looked really good against Bubba Jenkins, kept an insane pace, looked for submissions, had good ground and pound, and ultimately controlled him for three full rounds. So I thought he looked very good. That's going to be a very, very enticing matchup for the uh, featherweight championship. And then, of course, Antonio Colas Jr. did have a bit of a fun scrap with Emiliano sword. He was back and forth, uh, but he did ultimately just look to be the better fighter in there. And now, like you said, with Martin Hamlet getting that TKO, but Cesar Fajares kind of pulled his hammy, I guess is what it looked like to me after he had thrown a leg kick. It just tightened up on him. He collapsed down. Martin go went in for the ground and pound TKO, but uh, it was 13 seconds. I mean, we didn't get to see anything from him. It, to Martin's credit, he's going to be the fresher fighter. I mean, he took no damage, whereas Antonio Carlos Junior was in a three round war. Uh, so it could be a fun. Um, a fun finals for the million dollars of the championship. But I think really Move Lead and Chris Wade, that's a very, very enticing grappling matchup for the championship.
0: It is, but I gotta ride with Move Lead. Oh, it's, you it's your turn
1: to t- <laughs> Who should know a draft, everyone? Well, I guess of when course are listening, I was about to
0: take draft. I was about to take DK Metcalf and of course he gets picked right before I go. So no, of uh Jonathan Taylor's available with my second pick. He's the top ten. He got games.
1: picked right before me today, and I was pissed. Yeah.
0: But he's but he's sharing the backfield with Marlon Mack. I'm not, I'm not super – I think you do it, Noah. I like Najee Harris. Oh, I would do
1: Harris over Jonathan Taylor.
0: Yeah. We got Antonio Gibson on here. Calvin Ridley's on here as well. That's my guy. Um Joe Mixon, shout out to the boy. But yeah, uh, I also not get, drafted Joe
1: Mixon. I'm probably going
0: to take Najee Harris here with my second pick. <laughs>
1: I'm just glad people can really live in this I'm upset. Moment.
0: I want to kind of – I want to turn my volume off. I felt bad about that because <laughs> I was, like, not ready to move on. People was... are going to think,
1: wait, did my podcast just change to Adam Schefter or
0: something? <laughs> yeah. Um, final thoughts on the PFL being, I'm riding with Lead Kaibuaya to the end here. I, I really thought – his toughest fight was here with Brendan Locknane. And, you know, Locknane gave it his all, but I, this was just a, a, a performance that really showed me how good Move Lead is. And, you know, Chris Wade might get under, you know, a little overlooked in this matchup. He was going up against a very popular PFL fighter, Bubba Jenkins. You know, yeah. we didn't even really – I don't even know if we mentioned his name, Chris Wade, on Friday's episode. No, so. Not as much as we are now. <laughs> And I, I I say these things a lot to like, but it's not really to make us feel bad. It's just that's that's what it is going in. Right. Over Jenkins kind of was the guy going in here. Yeah. So all in all, I thought it was a good week of playoffs for the PFL. It's a fucking bugged, dude. You just. <laughs>
1: it's all right. It, <laughs> it's a uh... really interesting episode here. Audio
0: wise. <laughs> so let's move on to the UFC Saturday night.
1: I'm afraid. That main, Noah, that,
0: that main event, man. Jiga Chikadze getting to round 30, TKO over Edson Barboza. You know, this was a very good performance from Jiga Chikadze, and the more I think about it, the more I enjoy it from Jiga's point of view because even though I had it one-to-one going into too. the third round, yeah. I thought Barboza had a nice comeback in the second round, Yeah, but it was so clear to me that – For Giga, he was kind of allowing Barboza to get into his comfort zone. He was backed up on the fence, letting Barboza pressure him, which is usually when Barboza's at his best. Whenever Barboza has to fight off his back foot, he's a completely different fighter. And here, um, I guess just that and that he was allowing him to just back him up to the fence, like, when you really think about it, it's really impressive that he, you know, was able to be not really get landed on too much. I mean, Barbosa had some decent shots, but overall this was, you know, completely Giga's fight for the most part. And the more you think about it, the more you let it simmer, in my opinion, the more it makes Giga look good considering he was kind of fighting almost against what you would think he should do in the moment. And um, this guy is a problem. For these featherweights, he's huge for these featherweights. So tall, so lanky in this division. Um, I'm very excited what his future holds. Dominic, what say you? What were your thoughts on this fight? And also, who's next for the Georgian fighter?
1: I mean, this guy is now... And I thought this was interesting. As much of a contender, contender series guy as I am, I want to point out that I did not know this. Giga Chikadze lost on the Contender Series, but is now 7-0 and in the UFC, man, all since the beginning of 2020, which makes it even more impressive. Um, and now I think it's safe to say he's amongst the elite of this 145-pound featherweight division in the UFC. Um, was able to really just, again, implement his game plan, but also when he did allow Edson to have success in round two, he was still able to weather storms, take shots, and then in round three, it's like a reset. And he was right out of the gate again. And what what did he finish him? A minute 44 into that third round. So he was all gas, no brakes. He even had him locked into like an anaconda choke, then a Darce choke. And he's like, eh, I'm just going to let him go and finish him on the feet. And then he did that. So this man is truly well-rounded. We've not really seen his grappling, but we now know there's a little bit of offense there at least. I guess the next step is to maybe see how his grappling defense will take or, or come into play as he moves up this featherweight ladder we know how great of a grappler the champion is if he ever wants to get up there uh and his post-fight interview man i mean the guy said dana sean mick i'm ready i want to be the replacement fighter for ortega and volkanovsky and while i respect it that likely isn't going to happen but then he's like you know what if i can't do that there's this hawaiian guy that thinks he's the best striker in the ufc max holloway i want to fight you and I don't think that one will happen either, but I respect the guy anyway. He's showing that he's willing to take on the elite top-level guys in this division. He wants to become a champion. So take with that what you will. I think a more real, realistic battle, and there's two of them here. So I might steal one from you, but we can discuss. Of course. I know, I know. Okay, well, I'll just take one then. I'll take one. No,
0: it's it's fine. Go ahead say both. Okay,
1: good, because I really wanted to say both. So Korean Zombie. I think is an amazing fight, him and Giga Chikadze. And if that one can't happen, let's say that Max and Yair doesn't get rebooked. Ooh, Yair Rodriguez and Giga Chikadze is quite the interesting stylistic mm-hmm. clash. Two strikers going at it. It would be delightful. But uh, either way, I think this guy really has championship material. It's just more about can we see him truly face some adversity? Yes, Edson had his moments. He won the second round. But I want to see Giga into some trouble withstand it and then bounce back and he's going to have to in order to become a champion one day the sky's the limit for this man from georgia the country not the state yeah
0: dominic loves to take all the good fights i'm, no, I'm sorry just man Those just are just the two the no games. they're they're great they're great options i thought yair and max already got rebooked
1: oh yeah i guess it did get rebooked for november so here yeah. we go korean zombie it is
0: yeah um final thoughts here for giga I thought his call-outs, I thought he sounded really good. For a guy who's not a very natural confident. English speaker, I thought his call-out was, you know, a lot of times they can, they can sound a little off, you know, when a guy doesn't speak English as naturally. You know, you're right. kind of like, oh, they're trying. But here, like, he sounded very confident. Not right. overconfident, not, like, brag bragging or anything, but just, like, when he was talking about Max Holloway, you kind of felt it. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You could tell he felt a little slighted by Max and he's like comments. I'm the
1: best striker. Let's he's like this. he's like,
0: You called me a kicker. I'm not just a kicker. Yeah. And I yeah. will show you that. And I'm like, okay, I kind of feel that. Okay, exactly. Do I think he's gonna get Max Holloway next? Probably not, because I mean, hey, look, I'm all down to for him and Yair to turn this into a triple threat. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. them. But uh, more than likely, you know, the Korean zombie fights very interesting since. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like um, Korean Zombie probably won't be fighting someone ahead at this point. At least I wouldn't assume, even off his win over Dan Ige. For Chikadze, I also like Calvin Cater. That's a mm-hmm. tough. I mean, that's a tough fight for Cater though, coming off of just that brutal loss he took yeah. to Max to go up against a guy who might be just as good of a striker as Max. Like, I just think that's just such a tough fight to come back to, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're at this level and in this division that's so stacked, like featherweight, you know, you sink your, your swim, poison. man. Yeah, Take yeah. your poison, exactly. So, all in all, this this checked off a lot of boxes for me with Giga Chikadze. Um, I think one of the only – I'm not even necessarily too concerned with, you know, the grappling, like whatever. We knew that wasn't going to be a factor here. Um, I wouldn't even say offensively he should. I mean, yes, when he hurt Barboza, like – and Barbosa kind of went for like a, a leg lock of some sorts and whatever. I mean, that was nothing to me. But to me, it's still the gas tank for Giga. You know, he, mm-hmm. the second round, he showed to be slowing down a little bit, and Barbosa did start catching him more because that was the big factor in the first round where Barbosa just couldn't catch Giga. He was, yeah, he was just a bit slower. So, Chikadze was completely just able to move laterally and really just stay out of range. Second round, just a tad slower, just enough to where Barboza could catch him more. Um, Third round though, Chikadze hurt him bad, uh, caught him with a really nice shot and didn't let up, you know, chased him down really very smart, but, you know, definitely went in for the finish, and oh yeah, um, that that definitely shows a lot of growth in Chicago's game. That's not the same guy that was losing on the Contender Series. You know, this this guy is very much more confident in his offensive skill set than he had shown to be prior. So I'm very happy to see that out of him. Well said. Um, following that, our kind of double combing event, as I've been calling it here, uh, we saw back to back fights to crown Ultimate Fighter season winners for the bantamweights and the middleweights. Dominic, I really enjoyed seeing the hype videos beforehand, so it kind of gave me an idea of who these guys were and stuff going in. Brian Battle gets a sub over Gilbert Urbina. Shout out Ohio boy Gilbert. Didn't know that going in, so that was kind of cool. Round two, two minutes, 15 seconds. And then Ricky Tercios and Brady Highstand fight to a split decision that Ricky gets the nod in. Fight of the night for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so what were your takeaways here? Was this kind of how you expected these fights to go? Did anything stand out to you that maybe you didn't expect uh, as someone who has watched the whole season?
1: Yeah, so I'll just start with the middleweights. Gilbert Arvina came out like a rocket, man. Attacked Brian Battle early, nearly got a finish. Brian Battle fought four minutes in the first round with no mouthpiece because they couldn't find it. It bounced out out of the cage, came back into the cage. I don't really know what happened to that damn mouthpiece. But Gilbert Arvina looked great. The problem was he came in on 10 days' notice. You knew he has to start fast, and if he can't get that finish, what's going to happen? And we saw what happened. Brian Battle submits him in the second round. Um, I had actually anticipated a submission from Brian. He had come, came off of a submission against Andre Petroski, who had also fought on this card uh, back in the semifinals of tough. And Brian is just so long, so rangy, good on the feet, but underrated as crap on the ground, and he showed it here, had a very nice submission win. Uh, and he's the middleweight uh, tough winner for the Bantamweights. This fight was un-freaking-believable, man. The grappling, the pace, the all-out slugfest on the feet. I mean, Ricky Tercios uh, gets the win ultimately and becomes the ultimate fighter. But Brady he stand I don't doubt for a second that we won't see him in the <laughs> UFC because... He just showed ultimate heart. The guy's only 22 years old. Like I mentioned on Friday, he trains with Juliana Pena, Michael Chiesa, so he's in a great camp. They're molding him into being a future contender. Uh, But the night belongs to Ricky Tercios. What an interesting character that he is. The modern-day Diego Sanchez, I said that on Friday too. His post-fight press conference was so just inspiring to young children that want to – them fighters that do big things. He's preaching world peace, and he's just such a laid back, relaxed guy. In his post fight press conference, he's singing the Eagles song. I forget what song it was. It might have been Hotel California. I don't remember. But he was just vibing. This man is a whole mood. So I love everything about uh pretty Ricky Tercios. This dude is gonna be in some very fun fights in the future. What a great night to cap off the return of the ultimate fighter with two great uh finale fights.
0: Yeah, completely agree. For Brian Battle, um, I really thought it would be pretty much one-way traffic for him here. This is, this is again, I didn't watch the show. This is just kind of my thoughts going in. Battle, very interestingly, was the final pick of Team Volkanovski. A la like
1: Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, yeah it was for
0: so, um, so the show that he had been kind of the dominant force for that team in their middleweight division was pretty cool. Uh, actually, Andre Petroski – uh, the guy who was like the first pick for Team Ortega from that division was on this main card, had a win yeah. as well. So kind of interesting that he was on this card as well. Um, but Brian Battle, Gilbert Urbina, I thought, you know, since Urbina wasn't the the opponent that we were supposed to have here, right. I thought there was a chance that it would just be kind of one-way traffic. But Gilbert Early stunned Brian Took him down with some really nice, powerful takedowns. Yeah, but wasn't quite able to get the job done. Once battle got his wits about him, he was able to. Yes, here comes the pun. Battle back. I love and, it. And you know, getting that submission went in the fashion he did was very impressive.
1: Sorry, guys, my <laughs> microphone just <laughs> fell off my desk. <laughs> We're good.
0: But obviously, the big winner of the night, Ricky Tercio's, and really Brady Highstand, twenty-two years old, is Brady. Um, that that guy's got a bright future too, but Ricky I mean, modern day Diego Sanchez, correct this guy is such a character, but came in looking for war and war he got, Mm -hmm. I guess a guy like Highstand who, you know, when you broke down this fight, Dominic, and I'm not saying this to like, I don't know, act like you were wrong or something, but just to show that I think Highstand overperformed here was that you gave Highstand the the advantage in the grappling and um Tercios the advantage in the striking, but also mentioned that Tercios is very slick in his transitions off the ground. Right. Which kind of in my head told me that Ricky should be the favorite going in here. I'm sure he was. But I think Brady showed a lot on the feet too. He
1: did 100 percent That
0: you know went to war. And for a lot of those grapplers, you know, sometimes they can't take the punch that, you know, you would think they could. It's just not in there. It's not natural to them. When If you have that wrestling background, it's not natural to get punched in the face. But for Brady, he stood and traded. Oh, and, it, was uh, it was awesome. I mean, also, let me – I meant to do this at the beginning. Fuck Spectrum for that fight as well because yeah. I was watching it, and, like, halfway through the second round, cuts out. Yeah. Goes black.
1: I was right when the fight
0: was like really picking up. And I'm like, what? What the? <laughs> yeah. I'm like fumbling yeah. the, the remote in my hands. And then I immediately was like, had the light bulb go off. Spectrum. It's like Drake and Josh going like, <laughs> yeah. naked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I run out there, literally running in my Skippies. In my, <laughs> and unplug the router, plug it back in, come in, fight's over. Oh, man. So I had to rewind it at the end of the night, watch it back, and, hey, man, that fight was awesome. So oh, I was happy to watch it. But, yeah, shout out to those two guys. I'll be excited to see where they go from here, especially Ricky Tercio's, I believe. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the rest. Really, this one could have been a headline itself. Daniel Rodriguez gets the unanimous decision win over Kevin Lee. Donald
1: Yeah,
0: he called it, man. And – you know what? I We don't talk about betting on this podcast because you're not allowed to do that, I'm pretty sure. but
1: um, And we can't do it in Ohio anymore. I do
0: just want to mention that I did, did or did not give some advice <laughs> to some people on some picks to make, and they went two for two, and one of them was Daniel Rodriguez over Kevin Lee. So all in all, Kevin Lee looked really good early, round one. Yeah. He was able to get the fight to the ground. And I, I thought that was going to be really. Once I saw that, I went. Mm. I didn't like the way Rodriguez kind of went. Like he really kind of played into Kevin Lee's. You know, didn't he was he was, he was circling, he was circling straight into kind of the the double leg um, zone. And I was like, that's not that doesn't bode well for the rest of this fight. But after that, oh my gosh, the fight just completely flipped on its head.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Um, Basically, Daniel Rodriguez was just a pest this Peace fight to Kevin Lee. Up, man. Kept the jab in his face, just kept the pressure on him, and Kevin Lee kind of welted. Yep. And he would try to go for a lot of takedowns. And Daniel Rodriguez was not having any of it. No more takedowns allowed. What a performance from Daniel Rodriguez. This to me, this guy better be ranked in the top 15 come a Tuesday.
1: Percent.
0: You know, I know Kevin Lee wasn't a top 15 welterweight, but by all means, this was a top fifteen welterweight he beat here, and he deserves to have some recognition for that. Took this fight on two weeks' notice, put in a really good performance here yep. against Kevin Lee. For Kevin, what maybe we'll do? talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe we should talk about Rodriguez first, and then get into Kevin Lee. So, Dominic, I'm going to let you start by gushing about. Rodriguez, and I'll let you kind of pose the question about what do you want to talk about with Kevin Lee, and uh, I'll let you do it that way.
1: Well, I will not tolerate any more sleeping on Daniel Rodriguez because if you do it anymore, you're just you're on the wrong side of town because this guy <laughs> is as game as they come. To take such a bad stylistic matchup on paper on two weeks' notice says a lot about how game of a fighter Daniel Rodriguez is. To go in there, lose the first round convincingly, then bounce back, shut down the takedowns, rounds two and three. When he did get taken down one more time in the third, he found a way to get right back up. And then his gas tank was ultimately much fresher than Kevin Lee, pieced him up on the feet, nearly finished him. He had him doing the spaghetti leg. That happens to Kevin Lee every now and again. I've noticed.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. Um,
1: so Daniel Rodriguez <laughs> is a million percent a top 15 fighter. I felt he was before this fight, and I damn sure know that he is now. This man has won six fights since the start of 2020. He's 6-1 and one in the UFC. Could be 7-0. He had a very close fight with Nicholas Dalby. I digress. The most wins of any fighter in the UFC since the start of 2020 was six. Just wrap your head around that really quick. And these are against pretty solid competition. I mean, Daniel Rodriguez has been in there with good, good fighters. And now there's going to be a ranking next to his name on Tuesday morning. At least I sure hope so. And it's just going to be, can he continue to evolve? The stand-up is there. He's dangerous. He carries power, but it's not one-shot power. He pieces you up and can wilt you under his combinations. Mm -hmm. Can he continue progressing in his grappling defense? Because, again, to do this on two weeks' notice against Kevin Lee says a lot. So if he can continue to improve, this man very well could be a top-ten player one day. For Kevin Lee, what do you do with the guy? Because he's now experimented at 170 pounds twice. He's fell short both times both relatively convincingly. I mean, he lost via sub to RDA. This was a decision, and he did win a round, but rounds two and three really weren't all that close, in my opinion, outside of the Mm -hmm. one extra takedown he had in the third. But can he even get down to 155 anymore? Because I always have felt, and I said this on Friday, that he does have top ten talent and potential, but it can never all be put together, and it shows again here. And now he's at this weird crossroads where – Can he make a career for himself at 170? Can he get down to 155 anymore because he's had weight-cutting issues there before? And then here you are. Now you're on a two-fight skid to add on top of that. Lost four of his last six, I think, in total. If I you know three of the last five, something like that, you get my point. So uh, it really is a hard question that I don't really know the answer to, but I'm just posing it because all the other MMA people are too. What to do with Kevin Lee? I, I really... Don't know because the potential and the talent is there, but I just don't know if he can put it all together, man, to make a run.
0: Yeah, this is this is a very tough question for me because Kevin Lee didn't look bad in this fight. You know, this, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Daniel Rodriguez is better than he's been kind of given credit for. You know, the guy kind of came out of nowhere yeah. in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. 34 years old, wasn't expected to really make the impact he has already. So I don't know how far Daniel Rodriguez will go. I don't know where his ceiling is, but it's definitely higher than I thought it was before this fight. Mm. And I think that says something, but also for Kevin Lee, this is a guy that people were really looking at as like a potential future champion for a Mm. long time. And when you have those kind of expectations and really had fed into those expectations, I mean, he talked the talk. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. he just hasn't been able to walk the walk in some of these bouts. I mean, in a lot of ways, his talking is what kind of got him to the dance. It's what got him some of his fights. The fight with Michael Chiesa was a bigger fight because of, you know, don't you talk about my mom and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Um, and then he won. But then you saw, you know, he's talking a lot of trash to Tony Ferguson. That's how he got put in an interim title fight, we all assume, because really, was Kevin Lee, should he have been in an interim title fight? Probably not. But he looked really good in that fight up until... He had staff even in that fight. And yeah, he did. That kind of sat, zapped a lot of energy out of him. But he looked really good. He was hurting Tony early in that fight. And Tony came back. But all in all, that's what Kevin Lee's been. He has shown so many flashes. But it's, it's never really been... It's never been sustained... Greatness,
1: And in the biggest moments, he'll falter. I I don't even know. Yes, at the time was a big moment for him. Well, I I was going
0: to say Gregor Gillespie. You know, that's probably Mm -hmm. the biggest. I mean, if you want to, I mean, really, the Tony Ferguson fight was the biggest moment. That was a title fight, technically. And I wouldn't look at that as a falter because, again, he kind of stepped up and was like, I got staff, but I'm not turning this fight down and I think he definitely performed a lot better than you would expect a guy in that situation to do. I don't know if I can say like that, like the way you kind of worded it, but I do agree in the sense of he hasn't met the expectations he kind of put on himself and and the fan base have kind of put on himself because of that. Even this week, I didn't hear a lot of this, but apparently he was talking a lot of trash to Daniel Rodriguez, telling him he looked small and stuff like that. Yeah, and maybe that's just a way to kind of pump himself up, but it doesn't look great when you can't back it up in the octagon. Yeah, and I thought Kevin Lee kind of moved on from a lot of the 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 cringy trash talk he was kind of doing there for a while. Yeah, but if you're gonna do stuff like that, man, you're gonna have to pay the piper or whatever you want to call it. Where when he doesn't win, people are gonna come after him and right. show the receipts and be like, "Oh, you said this, but look what happened." I don't have that kind of ill will towards Kevin Lee. I like the guy. I think he's a great fighter. But it, it is a good question. What do you do with them? I think the last thing you do with them is take him back down to 155 pounds. I agree. Or if you do, like, no more making this jump. Like, you need to s- stay in one division. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I don't think he had any big injuries here. You know, he lost the fight, but I don't think he took like a ton of damage. So hopefully, we see him back a lot sooner than it took him to get in here from his fight with Oliveira, you know, ACL and all that. So um, I, 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 there is a bit of like, it feels like he's at a crossroads. It feels like he's kind of a man with no home right now, like just in no man's land. But I do think (laughs) I hate even opening the door because I feel like that's, that's what I've done for Kevin Lee. Every time he's came up short, it's just, I still think there's a there's just a sliver of a chance that this guy can still really make a make a splash in this division. He's 0 two at this point as a welterweight. In a lot of ways, I'm looking at him like I look at Jose Aldo at bantamweight right now. Um, we'll see if that turns out to be true. I don't think he's a future title holder. I I didn't really think that even at his peak. You know, I thought he was really good, but I, I never really looked at him as being like the guy to beat. You know, guys like Habib, or Tony or Connor But, but a contender
1: kind of deal.
0: Yeah, but definitely a contender. And I don't know if he's even held up that end of the bargain. And at Welterweight, do I think he's a contender? That's – I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I think he does fit in nicely into that lower half of the top 15, which I don't know. <laughs> it's – If you're shutting the door on, like, title aspirations now, like, for me, if I'm shutting the door on, like, his title aspirations now, like, should he really, in my eyes, is, like, what's the point? Right. But I guess, you know, for him, this is a way of life. It's it's what he loves to do. So, all in all, I think he's still got a career left. Just, I don't know where – I really don't know where you go from here. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on that one, Dom? I kind of rambled.
1: No, you're good, man. That's all I got on that one, though. Okay. Uh,
0: moving down on the card, Gerald mirchart Hey, now. Biggest underdog on the card. And guess what? I don't even know if I worded him. I don't even know if I put his name on the podcast Friday outside of just saying this is the guy that got knocked out by Hamzat. <laughs> um, he comes back and subs Mahmoud Muradov in the second round, minute 49 in. Man. My big que- my big takeaway here was the shots that Mirchar ate from Muradov here makes me just wonder what did fucking <laughs> Hamzai have in his gloves that night. Yeah. Um, but this was, I mean, a great comeback performance for the veteran. Happy to see him kind of get that moment. But for Mahmoud, that's a tough loss. But, you know, the guy still looks Obviously really good, player, I think. Sure. So I think it's just going to be one of those that, you know, overall Muradov's still going to be the guy that probably has bigger fights ahead compared to Mirchart, but not his night. Mirchart, deservedly so, gets the win.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a comeback, man. To really could have been finished in that first round multiple times. It felt like it is. it was like Muradov was just toying with his prey at certain points of that fight. And then in the second round, GM3 coming out of the gates, firing on the feet and hurting Mahmoud, and then inevitably getting the submission. It's just the crafty vet against the young up-and-coming prospect Uh, Mahmoud was on a 14-fight win streak coming into this. It was his biggest test. He failed, but I don't doubt for a second we'll be back. Noah's very high on this kid. He talked about Mm -hmm. him on Friday, and we're going to be talking about him again. So shout out to GM3, though, man, the crafty vet with an amazing come-from-behind win.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And this last one here, this one one didn't take any time. (laughs) Abdul Razak Al-Hassan just took him 17 seconds to get the knockout over Alessio De Chirico. Dominic, I'm on the clock, so I'm going to let you start here first. What (laughs) what were your thoughts on this knockout?
1: Um, Well, I'm just going to say this dude, Abdul uh, Razak Al-Hassan, has three wins in under one minute now in the UFC. So this man has crazy power. He's either going to put you to sleep or you're going to put him to sleep. And um, just – When I'm bringing out, uh, very seldomly when a knockout occurs in the UFC or in MMA, I'll bring out a fun meme on Twitter of Bean with the two little teacups, and he spills them and has a shocked look on his face. But this was one of those knockouts where I pull that meme back out on Twitter. Uh, It was just a one-shot, perfectly timed head kick uh, as DeTrico was coming in uh, Al Hassan threw the kick, it was perfectly timed. The thud you heard on the audio was sickening. He flatlined him immediately, and you knew it was over. What a knockout victory! Al Hassan really needed that, too, to bounce back. And again, when you have a guy that's going to be in these fun fights, although they won't last very long, you got to just keep feeding him these fun matchups, man, because he's either going to go out on his shield or he's going to put someone to sleep. And he did it again here. What a victory and very much deserving of that 50 K bonus. Absolutely devastating head kick.
0: Yeah. Al Hassan. This guy is just, it's a always a killer, killer be killed. Mm. I mean, he was on the receiving end of a chaos Williams yeah. right hand. That was insane, but he's, this is what he does, man. You know, his, his comeback, he had a long layoff, had a lot of legal issues that thankfully for his sake, you know, seem to have been resolved. And he, kind of cleared of any wrongdoing, but um, all in all, his comeback since then, he's been 0-3. Yeah. But here, man, I mean, going up against DiCirico, who was coming off his biggest moment of his UFC career, gets the head kick knockout of Joaquin <laughs> yeah. Buckley, but, you know, both guys still felt like they needed this win. Both very floundering, you know, in, in this division. And to come out and make the statement like that, that's gonna keep Al Hassan around for a little bit longer. He made weight, I believe, this time. That's yep. been a problem for him. I think he had missed weight two of his three fights in his return. So um, I'm at least happy to see that for him. But I don't. Really, I mean, there's not a ton to like take away from here. But all in all, I mean, it was the knockout. This could be a knockout of the year contender. It is a very stacked lineup yeah, for this year. So I don't problem. know if it'll make it. But, I mean, the shin on – the shin, that was oh, all shit, man. was bad, man.
1: man. It was yeah, bad. That,
0: was, that was nasty. I wish the cameras would have caught it a little better live. Yeah. The camera was transitioning right as he threw it, so you had to kind of wait for the other angle to come out later to get a good look at it or the replays, I should say. But, um, yeah, good win for him. And, you know, it, this is a fight I felt like we should have talked about Friday. Like, I kind of felt it a little bit. We didn't, but now we get to talk about it here because – Look at that.
1: <laughs> look at that. We look at this.
0: <laughs> but that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for this MMA weekend recap. It's been an interesting episode, Dominic. But
1: A lot has went on, but we sure did survive it. No
0: I, I made it through about eight or nine rounds of fantasy drafting.
1: How's the team um, looking? Let the audience know before you sign off.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they all care so much about my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> I would say we're looking pretty good, guys. Fair I'd much. like to thank that Recording this podcast while drafty has made my team better. There you go. But a lot's happened. We've had cicadas out there singing in the in the night sky. My uh, mic fell off the desk. Your mic fell off the desk. you know, it's just been one of those one of those days.
1: And that's but, why we're called the below average, Joe's. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, that's why we picked the name.
1: Yeah. So y'all baby. Never
0: better have expectations for us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, appreciate the support as always. Um, this this Once again, I'm going to plug it. Two-episode week, but... Yeah,
1: it's a fun week,
0: though. It's kind of a three-episode week, in a way, because Friday, we have two episodes coming to you. What? Mm-hmm. Two? We have our normal MMA weekend preview, and then we're making our first-ever appearance on another podcast, that being our good friends over at the Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast. Um, they Each episode, they essentially review one movie. A lot of times it's just a very – they've usually picked just a very random movie. That's kind of their, their point. Their whole point is to try to find the best movie of all time. Yes. And uh, we're going to try to help them. We'll be on episode 12 going over the Kevin James classic, Here Comes the Boom. So we get to talk about an MMA movie on there. I watched it on Friday. I know Dominic hasn't watched it yet. but Oh, I'm ready. um, I, You know, interesting movie to say the least, and I'm excited to talk about it. So that will be coming out on Friday as well. Um, Dominic is going to, you know, as he always does with the social medias, he will be plugging that, I'm sure, everywhere. I'll make sure to plug it on a lot of mine too. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a really fun week. I'm very excited to go over there. Uh, Trevor and Luke, great guys. And they do have a really good podcast, so please go show them some support. Yeah, uh, because they just they started a little bit more recently, so I'd love to see them. You know, maybe get a few subscribers from us. I don't know. I don't know.
1: 100%, get on over there.
0: Yeah. So uh, go support them. You can also listen to the audio version on Spotify. So look it up there as well. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people
1: where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCley14. Find our podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as Noah mentioned, go show the Barely Critical Movie Review podcast some love this week. We're going to be hinting at it. Well, I guess it's not really hints because you guys know it's coming. But we're going to have a fun episode with them talking MMA and movies. What a collab it's going to be. Go show them some support. Get their numbers bumped up. And we're going to bring a banger of an episode on Friday.
0: I love it. And for me, Twitter, Instagram at nt baker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it yes. will take you to the link tree. Okay. Which contains a list of links
1: ah. to
0: all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. So that includes the Twitter, the Instagram. <laughs> I had to think about it. (laughs) It's fun by Google and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And There's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor, as always. Shout out. Um, Leave it a voice message. Do it. Please. Do it.
1: Yes. (laughs) Can we get Shia LaBeouf on here to do that little cameo?
0: (laughs) You're like, yes. (laughs) I just want it. That's
1: all. I want one um, a week. Is that too much to ask? One voice message a week. Listeners, viewers, the Joey community. Step up your game.
0: Dude, I'm gonna cry. Well Yeah, because uh, I just want I want our viewers to send in questions so bad I'm gonna cry.
1: Yeah, your guys are gonna you want us to cry on air? Is that what it's gonna take? Because I can do it, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> but
0: there's also a link on there for becoming a supporter of the podcast. If you want me to get some cicada repellent, <laughs> uh, you can leave the minimum <laughs> the donation of a dollar ninety nine, Or so oh. I can do some laundry. Right. Or so Dominic and me can get better internet. You right. know, Five, all or, you the know, fun stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, again, you can find all of that <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, at
1: Baker underscore. That's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Friday. That, Peace. That's a wrap. We're out of here.